you think the word girthquake is inappropriate, this is probably not the podcast that you'll enjoy. Welcome to the Men's Health Unscripted Podcast with Patrick and Cam. We're focused on everything on men's health, looking at your emotional, your physical, and your spiritual well-being. You're going to take care of that and make sure you keep on going. What's going on, guys? It's Pat and Cam, and we are at 100, baby. Big one zero zero. And uh, we are going to have a little Q&A session for this awesome podcast. We're so excited to be at 100. It's a huge accomplishment for us. So we're going to kind of like pat ourselves on the back a little bit. But also, it wouldn't happen without you guys coming on, listening, and participating. So, you know, this is kind of part of part us, part you. And then the best part is we have probably one of the best moderators we could ever get. Gary T. from Medical Man Cave is in the house. Medical Man Cave, the place for men. So if you've listened, episode 94, uh, Gary was on. He talked about all the services that they offer at the Tampa Medical Man Cave, which are getting ready to expand. We'll keep you guys updated on that. And we also had RJ Adolfi a couple episodes. He's the CEO of Medical Man Cave. And the reason we have enjoyed working with them so much is because they make healthcare inviting for men. It's one of the first places that we've ever seen that that gives men a space to feel comfortable in healthcare. So with that all being said, Gary's got some questions for us. We're ready to let it rip. Let's do 100. 100. Here we go, gentlemen. So these are questions from some of your listeners here that I have, and um, some of them are very complex. So we probably won't go to camp for that, but um, <laughs> we'll just we'll let <laughs> um, So first question, we're going to do a very easy one. This is for both of you. Uh, what is two plus two? Pretty sure that's like seven. Five? Seven, seven. Patrick, for you? Five. Five, great. The, the marine math four. is rubbing off on you. The me. answer was four, but because of your closeness, we'll give you 10 points each. All right. <laughs> um, so one of your listeners asked the questions, what have you guys learned after 100 episodes as an overarching body of work? Well, uh, I think I can answer part of that. I would have to say that if you think the word girthquake is inappropriate, this is probably not the podcast that you'll enjoy. I think for myself, the first thing overarching for all this kind of work is you got to have fun with it. Uh, if you come on and you're just stuffy and kind of tight, it does get kind of old and kind of boring kind of quick. So you got to have fun with shit. And that's everything in life. Let's be real. We want to have fun. Yeah. I think uh, just to kind of build off what Cam said, the idea of this is it's a fun project for us, but also we want it to be informative. And I think that over the past hundred episodes, we've had people reach out to our guests for help with cancer, healthcare, doctors, all kind of stuff. And so more so than anything, people are people are getting benefit from it. And that's really what this is all about. Completely agree. Great, great answers, guys. Um, I think just some of the couple of shows I've listened to and then the one I was on with you, that that's one thing you guys and I remember asking when we first got started when I was on episode 94 is what can I say or what can't I say, you know, and based off listeners. And that's one I think one thing I think is great because if it's men, if it's women, it's adults, they're listening and they go, they may hear something, just say, I didn't know that. And that right there in itself, you, you learn over time that something we might say can help someone, but if we don't say it, then no one's going to know about it. So I think that's, right. I think that's really good. Um, Ashley from Instagram said, how do you plan your episodes or guest? <laughs> <laughs> so we're flying by the seat of our pants. Yeah. 
that's all I got for that. It's, um, for being a, you know, being a couple of pharmacists, we have careers. This is for, you know, one of the top, top things on the list for me, uh, for cam, but sometimes it's just tough. And then sometimes it's better. That's you just, you're flying on, see your pants. I mean, that's kind of how I live my life. So Ashley, so Ashley, that's your answer. Unless you'd like to assume that both of them being pharmacists, they have a, they have access to certain medications that just allows them to smooth things over and get this done. <laughs> um, the next, this was from anonymous via Spotify portal. They asked, what's one thing you have implemented into your lifestyle, if any, as a result of a guest or episode? Oh, that one, uh, first thing that comes to mind, you got to really moderate and regulate that intake of porn. You go back to one of our early episodes with Cool Cool Ranch Bill, you know, it kind of gives you a, a good backstory and a good example of how life can kind of get squirrely on you if you don't moderate some of those, some of those rough things we can take in. Uh, Patrick, what about you? I would have to say, man, there's kind of a lot of stuff that that hits me. I would have to say probably being a better like listener and engager with my my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. um, we weren't dating like when we started the show, but I think that this show has made me a lot a lot more aware of my emotions and then how to kind of manage stress so that my emotions aren't getting kicked off on somebody else. I think that means a lot too, because the, the, you know, a lot of listeners on podcasts, they're, they're, they might be just driving down the road. They're just, they're sitting in their office with some headphones on. So they're not getting to engage, but sometimes they, they don't even realize that something that they're asking a question about, or you guys doing something for them. They didn't know that, it might be helping you in your own lifestyle. So that's good. So for sure. I, I mean, something, something for you, Gary, I got a question for you. And it's kind of okay. along the same, same lines is like how many people or men, you have men come into medical man cave to receive some type of service. How many men say, well, I'm doing this like for me, but also for my wife or my partner. Uh, and well, I mean, like the majority, the majority says, okay, the majority comes in and says, Hey, how am I going to hide this from my wife? A lot of them do. I'm being honest about that. They, sure. they don't know. They want to do it. And it's because they've got the statement uh, from their wife or partner. I think it's perfect the way it is. I don't I don't need you to have a bigger penis. I, I love it the way it is. And so we appreciate that. And it means something to us. But, you know, a lot of times these guys will. I look at them and I say, well, all right, let me ask you this. How many things are there out there for women to beautify themselves and we still look at them and say, your boobs are perfect the way they are. I love your face the way it is. Why do you have to get Botox? The response from the women is still the same. It comes down to, I'm doing it for me. And so when guys, I answer that question to say, how do you tell your wife? That's exactly what you say. I'm I'm doing this for me. Um, and I, we've got some that come in here, man, and they've told me and, and Joanne, that they've let us know, y'all have no idea how much you changed my life. And that's what we do it for. And we may not ever hear those words again. And if we don't, that's okay. We know what we're doing here at the clinic. And we know that it does change lifestyles. Just some people are a little reserved and don't want to, you know, come back there and, and say that again, or don't want to, they definitely don't feel like going and doing a Google, <laughs> Google review with their nice, pretty face and saying, Oh yeah, I got my dick bigger. And these guys were fantastic. About that. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a tough Google review. So, all right. One more follow-up question then. 
what happens when the guy's like, I don't want my wife to know about this yet. And so you go from like an average boy and all of a sudden you're pulling out a, a Coke can on your wife. Like, oh, yeah, like is, she's going to know. Is she like, what? Like, Where did this well, happen? You, wait a minute. Yes. And I mean, <laughs> or is it I, like, surprise, like, baby, I got you something for your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I have a witness right here. She'll gladly tell you that women know um, some of the guys I kind of, <laughs> I help them out when they go, how am I going to hide this? I go, I got you covered. So I say, I'll just give you a letter saying that you, you strained your right testicle so you can't do anything strenuous or sexual for 30 days. That way they can keep wrapping it and they, they hide it, per se. But uh, when it comes to the first event, we tell them here in the clinic, we go, we want to hear from you. I want to know. And they'll come back in for their 30-day follow-up and, and things like that. And they go, man, she looked at me. She thought I'd been taking something. And I said, well, are you going to tell her? And they go, I had to tell. Her. So they they don't ever really keep it as a secret for long. They tell them after that first time. Because let's be honest, after 30 days, first of all, things are kind of ready for it. And then now you're going from, you know, I'm going from, you know, my pencil to my forearm. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a difference in size. I think you so, guys yeah, might need to work on, uh, work on getting some kind of deal together with Lonely Island. So you can market the whole like it's a dick in a box thing. <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. Check this out. We're trying to we, we try to come up with package names like for the holidays. I want to use Santa's got a brand new package. <laughs> you know, and, and you get and so you get your dick bigger. I mean, let's go with it. It's fine. Look, have you. Uh, oh, one last thing before we keep going. Have you managed to print up any girth certificates? No, since no we I met? still have that written down. <laughs> I have that, we, it's funny you said that because we just had a meeting yesterday about things we can do for promos and i'm we're gonna do that we're gonna print up patrick's one came up with that girl certificate yes, I love it. that's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> all right so is it like the paper's got to be embossed i mean it's got to be like you just it's graduated gotta you gotta the, be it's got to come off this paper that's pretty good yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> that's really good i love it all right, so this is from Blue Collar Proud on Instagram. Said, "My man, how are you going to correct those bitch ass wrestlers that broke your table on Instagram?" <laughs> the gifted <laughs> going through our shit every time. Well, yeah, they uh, so they went through our shit in real life. They didn't do it on Instagram, but okay. I guess he saw it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, Wheezy and Logan are good dudes. I think we'll just kind of leave it at their. Um, it's water under the bridge for right now, you know. It's water under it's chairs under the table. Yeah, I've been. I think we also gotta we gotta take it kind of easy because I don't know if how many of our listeners follow their scene, but look, Weezy's got himself a bum knee, so we can't be going too rough on the guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't don't be hard on him. It's all right. Yeah, we <laughs> there. Uh, you go, blue collar proud. Thank you we, for writing that question in. It's a fantastic question. We've been we've been fighting with those dudes. Like what we went in June and we were cool with them, and Weezy came on the podcast, and then all of a sudden they turned heel on us and. That's you what know. wrestlers do, man. I know. Wrestlers, they, that's what brings them out. All of a sudden, the good one's got to turn heel every now and then. <laughs> so uh, from Nerdy Girl on Instagram said, um, do you think Hot Joe will give me a holiday feast? <laughs> God dang. Our very own GV, Jason Momoa, out here pulling more than anybody else. Oh, yeah. Joe, uh, Hot Joe pulls like a NASCAR driver, as they say. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, I could I could argue and say that NASCAR drivers pull, you know, I'm from Alabama. So, you know, when it comes to the NASCAR scene, you know, most people say it's women with no teeth and, you know, and are related. But 
me and Joanne have both been to NASCAR events. If y'all have never been to one, it definitely is not that at all. Oh, we, we just went to Dega. Yeah, we were in Talladega, like right before I met you guys. Wow. Or right after, yeah. How many times have right you been to Talladega? Oh, yeah, it's been a lot. I've been three yeah. or four times. Well, I mean, uh, you know, if you take it from Talladega Nights, like the Ballad of Ricky Bobby, the yeah. lady's like, I'm a driver's wife. I don't work. Like, <laughs> I mean, Ricky Bobby was signing titties all day. Like, yeah, he was on board. you don't you don't chew big red gum. Fuck, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> what what says what says Christmas gift better than the Jackhawk 9000? <laughs> all right so uh this is from uh one of your former guests garrett mccoy garrett nice garrett mccoy said amazing accomplishment guys you guys are doing the work and it's awesome to see he said i don't have a question i'm just a fan and a former guest yep garrett uh garrett sent that in he's super cool dude um he's like a personal trainer breathwork coach all around just like super nice guy so glad to hear it. thank you garrett coaches? Oh yeah. Huh? Oh yeah. Really? Breath work coaches. They help oh, yeah. you with your breathing? Yep. Hmm. I've done a couple classes. We should incorporate that in the medical man because if you think about it, the women are going to need that after these guys get their male enhancement. <laughs> they they need a breath coach. They're gonna need to recenter that shocker after they get wrecked. They're gonna be like <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is from Overdose RX on Instagram. Uh huh. Very popular uh, pharmacy page. Oh yes. shit! This is to you, Cam. Cam, can you elaborate on nuclear pharmacy a little more? It seems like an interesting field, but very complex. What is its purpose in medicine? Okay, uh, so this one, yeah, I can kind of nerd out a little bit, a little bit a lot here. So we'll try to keep it easy. So. Um, the main thing for nuclear pharmacy is it's mostly diagnostic procedures. Um, there are some other areas you kind of go into, but for my side, there's two sides. You have spec and then PET. So spec is what we consider low energy. Um, PET is high energy. So spec, you pull your um, radioactivity from a generator. So it's a byproduct of like nuclear facilities. And then you have PET where we make it through a cyclotron. But for my side, PET, we are pretty much strictly diagnostics. So we create radiation, we then bind it to a molecule. So it could be sugar or it could be a biomarker, just some other thing. And it's going to be used for various cancer locations, um, things like that. It is not anywhere near the reg regular realm of pharmacy. You do work ridiculous hours. So we are kind of like tied to the half-life of the drug. So, you know, your regular medication, when you walk in your pharmacy, you could be on the shelf. They're, you know, their expiration dates could be like five years out. These ones expiration dates for us, it's like 12 hours. So, and then you're going to get a half-life of two hours on it. So it's going to kind of exponentially decay down. So you have to really kind of plan out your day starting really early. So our first pharmacist starts usually around midnight. Our technicians start earlier because they have to prep all the stuff to, to kind of get it done. And then you're working through that early morning. Um, and then um, you have the drug going, get out to the patient. They'll inject it, they'll get a scan, and then it'll like highlight what areas the cancer is going to be at. So it's actually eliminating and reducing a lot of unnecessary procedures through like exploration and other surgeries, because now they don't have to find it, they know where it's at. Um, but it is very different. And if you have any like any specific questions you want to ask, you can always hit us up and they'll, you know, get them over to us. So we can ask more about it. But it is a very different like area. Like a, a nuclear stress test. Yes. 
So okay. yeah, cardiac stress tests are part of the spec side, the low energy side. So the same idea, if they attach to a molecule, you'll do your stress test and it'll highlight areas of the heart. Okay. Have Great you, question. so quick question, have you heard of um, any, any ways where nuclear pharmacy, you go to like for a cancer diagnosis and it is actually preventing the spread of cancer, A, because you're catching it, but B, you know, when they aspirate like um, or do biopsy on a cell, if it traces any cell and that cell can kind of land somewhere and spread the cancer, does that like prevent the spread of cancer through that? I mean, it's more of a rare thing, but I just know somebody who had breast cancer, they got rid of it and then it came back. And when they went to biopsy it, it ended up in her lung because of the way they biopsied it. So I don't know if you knew anything about that or heard any, anything about that. Well, unfortunately, because it is going to be like a, um, it requires the uptake of the molecule by the particular cells. It would only show it after it's already been uh, metastasized around. So, it again, it, the biggest thing is going to help with like early detection and early treatment. So, it's not really going to help prevent anything like that or even kind of like notify of early movement. It's going to be already moved before Got it gets it. up so it can highlight it. Interesting. Very interesting. I did a, I did a quick, what was it, internship at, a, I did a 30-day internship at a local one, lower energy around here. And uh, it, it's pretty interesting stuff, man. All right. Great question. Thank you, Overdose Rx on Instagram. Your next question is this. What are your thoughts on influencers in the healthcare space like pharmacy? Do you believe this is hurting or helping the profession and why? Both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really depends on, I feel like, how you're portraying it. And then also, like, the information you're going to give out. Uh, if you're like doing TikTok dances in the pharmacy, that is bad. There I'm is, so glad you said that. There is like HIPAA and stuff involved, and like people have gotten in trouble all the time for posting things. And then in the background, there is like a prescription label, or there is some kind of patient information or something attached to it. And then you're going to get flagged for that. You're going to get hit with HIPAA violations. You can't do that. Now, there's other guys. So there's people we've talked to. They do like um, social media and it's like pharmacy humor and things like that, where those are beneficial because they're highlighting issues that the pharmacy sector has. And they're putting a humorous light on it to kind of bring it a little more comedy for everybody, but it's still showing like, oh, this is still a fucking problem. For sure. Yeah. One time somebody did a TikTok dance and they got the picture of my Viagra in the back. <laughs> what were you doing with your Viagra in the back? No, like it was on the, it was on oh, the shelf. Counter. Yeah. Glad you clarified. Thank you very right. much. <laughs> my, my, I think the influencers nowadays, you know, we even talked about having one. That's one of our things we put on our list. Maybe have an influencer come in, you know, to kind of, you know, model the medical man cave and say, hey, check this out. Um, I think I think you got where it comes down to Cam saying you got to be careful as far as HIPAA. I think you got to be careful as far as the influencer. Yeah. I mean, you bring on. You bring on somebody that is phenomenal out in the space right now, and all of a sudden, six months from now, that influencer OD. Yeah, mm. you're you know it's it's it. You already know there's no way there's no way around it that it's not going to circle back around to the pharmacy world and go well. Where did they get the? It, it's just going to be too much. I mean, it. I think influencers nowadays are great on certain things. Um, I think. I mean, we've even, we've had someone in our own family that, you know, they, they stated that that's, 
That's their whole goal. They didn't want to go to college. They didn't want to yeah. work. They want to be an influencer. So, I mean, we all are motivated. You know, there's a lot of people who are motivators. I mean, I consider myself a big motivator when it comes to getting people fired up, and ready to go and do things, but you know, not, not to influence people. It's just, you've got to be careful of that thing, no matter what field you're looking at having an influencer. And that's a good question. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's from our boy, uh, Joven over at the new capsule RX podcast. Okay. I'll give him a shout out. Cause he's doing a lot of good stuff for pharmacy students and he's like trying to help them pass their boards trying to help them find careers in a place in pharmacy. That's awesome. So, um, you know, good, good dude, good podcast. We, we did an episode with him uh, a little bit ago. So yeah. nice guy. Awesome. Well, your next question, um, if you guys were to start your pharmacy journey over from scratch, from undergrad to now, what would you do different and why? I, I would have to say, I don't think I would change anything. Yeah, I kind of in the same boat. I don't know if I would change too much. Um, I was, I went and I got a bachelor's in biochemistry beforehand, just so I had that, like, as an accomplishment I want to do for myself. And it was also a backup. So I was in school for like nine years. So like the time frame kind of sucks. Like that's a long fucking time to be in school. Um, was that was post high school, Kim? That was all college, nine years of college? Yeah, the nine years of college post-military. So wow. My ass getting out four years, you know, four years post high school and then nine years of college to graduate. And it wasn't like it. I guess it was like a balance of between course load strength and then just the time. Sometimes classes aren't available until the spring and then you're already in the spring. So you got to wait a fucking year. Um, so I guess maybe better planning and like better, better, like setting your classes up for what you want to get done um, nowadays. I will say it's an unfortunate thing. I don't, I'm not a fan of it. You don't need a lot of, you don't need a bachelor's or you don't need a, a degree to start pharmacy school. There are other programs where they kind of fast track you through the uh, prereqs and then you're in pharmacy school. So like we had classmates that were turning 21 first and second year. So it's like, yeah. that's a little crazy mm -hmm. that you got people that, you know, that young were able to start these, these programs up, not to take away from them as persons or their, their intellect or anything like that. It's just interesting because, you know, there's a TV show about it back in the day, but if you were if you were working if you're a patient in the hospital, not work if you're a patient, and Doogie Howser walked in on you, you're gonna be like, mm. yeah, like yeah. I don't care how smart you are, but you're fucking nine, like no fucking <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah, I I I don't think I would change anything in, in camp, like very much like Cam. I would say we kind of had a parallel journey. I played college baseball, and I was not there to play school at all. <laughs> like I had a scholarship and whatnot, and like. I'm there to play ball. And that kind of probably, I would have to say that definitely slowed down my academic career. But at the same time, it landed me where I'm at and I'm super pumped to be here. And like, I, I probably wouldn't have met Cam if I decided yeah. to go a little faster or a little later, you know what I mean? So side note, Gary, something, for a reason. something funny about Cam, uh -oh. well, two, two funny things. So when he first got to pharmacy school, he sat like a couple of rows in front of me. And this dude would come into school with a three-piece suit every day. <laughs> and I'm like, who the fuck does this guy think he is? Right? <laughs> like, who cares? It's school. And I'm like, you know, wearing t-shirt and shorts, even though you're not supposed to wear that. And <laughs> so I'm like the opposite. And then the second thing, this is probably the funniest thing. I think like I, I think I really like started to admire Cam a lot when this happened. So we 
we're about to give a presentation and it's, you know, we're, you're split up into academic teams in pharmacy school. So there's what, 20 some teams, it's all five or six kids a, a piece. And so Cam, he goes, he turns and looks around. I'm going to, I'm going to do it for you just so you see it on video. So I'm sitting two rows behind him and Cam goes, I'm about to say, blow your back out three times in this presentation. And then he stands up. <laughs> I'm dying, right? I'm like, there's no way this dude's going to do this. And I don't know him like hardly at all. I've known him for like a month. Right. And so he goes down there and he's like, yeah, he's going through. He's like, all right, this is the molecule of this drug. I'm not trying to blow your backs out with all this science shit. I personally love it. So let's talk about the mechanism of action. Next slide. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, this guy gets it. <laughs> I think that's bad. Well, all, you got to remember too, Cam came from Marine Corps. And so he was so used to, if he had on, it was a rule in the Marine. If it had loops in those pants, you better have a belt on. Yeah, you and, have a belt on. And your shirt better be tucked in and your shirt better have a collar. And so it was, he, he was used to it. So he showed up to school like, okay, now I get to wear a suit. This is awesome. Yeah, I mean, well, a bow tie and a vest, like the whole, it's like oh, a tuxedo, yeah, like, dude. Like it, uh, <laughs> like they were super serious with the dress code. Like when you, with the first, like uh, the entry points, they're like, oh yeah, the dress code is very serious. You know, we're the only like professional college, the medical side that has a dress code. You have med students wearing like board shorts and flip flops. And they're like, you guys have to wear all this stuff and you'd be dressed so appropriately. And then you kind of realize as you go on that it's a little more lax than what they say it is. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I got this. I got these suits and shit. I'm going to wear these damn suits. And then, <laughs> you know, when you give, we call them hip pocket classes in the Marine Corps. So like, well, that's when you're talking to your juniors about stuff. So I'm like, if I have to give hip pocket classes, I'm going to fucking do it the way I know how to do it. And like, regardless of what I'm wearing, like, we're just going to go hard in the paint. <laughs> They're like, and like uh, I said, there were a lot of young kids who had like not heard language before. So yeah. <laughs> It is uh, shocking how the lack of team skills yeah. in, in the young I, groups. I think I like kids. it that both of you, as long as you've been doing it now, you, both of you decided you would not really change anything. I think I think a lot of people in the world look back and, and my dad used to tell me, don't ever regret anything you do in life if you were happy when you were doing it. Just remember there's consequences for your actions and repercussions, right? Yep. So I like it that you guys, you, know, you said, nope. It don't matter how hard it was, Cam, with nine years, da da da. It, it didn't matter. You guys said, you know what? I'd still do it the exact same way. So that, that's good. Man. Yeah. My cousins were calling me Van Wilder because I was in school oh, for so long. You're school so, right? I mean, yeah. Or what is it from Tommy Boy? He goes, How long did he say he was in? He goes, I was in school for nine years. He goes, He said, It's a four, four year school. <laughs> he, he said, Yes. Most people that go that long are called doctors. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's see. So where do you see the future landscape of retail pharmacy heading since the news keeps informing us of all these employees going on strike? So that was definitely, that was my old sector. So it's something I know a lot more about and uh, it's odd. I don't, you don't really see it going in a good direction. Um, you do see is with a big change, really, you don't see it in a good, a good direction. The chains are kind of pushing a lot more of these metrics, a lot more of this like corporate greed on stuff. Um, they just want more and more, but they're not willing to pay employees. They're not willing to get staff. Um, and that's really a big problem when you see with all these strikes is that everyone's understaffed, underpaid, underappreciated, and they're expected to do more and more. Uh, there is a slight improvement on some of the things they're doing uh like they are 
starting to kind of like recognize we have to have like pharmacists to do this stuff like legally. And then also just from like the patient safety and standpoint kind of aspect to it, they're not really moving towards actually making any motions right now, but they're at least recognizing some things, but it definitely is not headed in a good direction in my opinion. Yeah. Not to say it's going to be like on fire in the next, you know, five, 10 years, but still. I think, um, automation is, I, I didn't, I never really worked in retail other than like what I had to, it's just, it wasn't for me, uh, watching people come up to the pharmacy and act a complete fool. Like they wouldn't act like if you went to a restaurant and ordered a burger, you wouldn't act a fool. Like if you were waiting on your meds, like, it's just crazy how, you know what I mean? Um, but I think there's probably going to be a lot more automation that gets involved. Those companies will probably invest X amount of dollars into a machine per store eventually, which will ultimately cut the staff. And I mean, it would probably pay for itself, right? The machine. So uh, I, as far as like Florida law goes, I know that a pharmacist still has to be there to load the machine, monitor the machine and like do all that stuff. So it might eat more into tech work, um, but it would probably eventually eat into pharmacy work. Um, so probably more automation, but like was with Cam, it's just, I don't like that the the customers are kind of crazy, but I I know you're dealing with sick people and they're upset and they don't feel good. You know what I mean? So there's that component, but still I think that just the way that some of those big chains make it seem like it's okay to talk to a pharmacist that way isn't really appropriate. So, I mean, we're having a lot of pharmacists are leaving that field right now and going and do other stuff. So it, there's going to be a flux somehow. Somebody's going to have to adapt to that switch. Sure. Oh yeah. I mean, and then we see, we see um, even here um, I'll call in medicines or, or Joanne will call in meds and we have, we do an e-script and it's checkmark, green checkmark, good to go. And it's all of a sudden seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, I'm getting a phone call. Hey, pharmacist said they ain't got nothing from you. And I'm like, excuse me. And so I know for a fact I've done it and it's come to find out I've, I've called myself and they'll get on the phone with me and go, oh, there it is. We didn't go to that next page. It It's becoming like you said, Cam, too. It It's this wanting them to do more, but not paying them for it. Now, at the same token, you know, you back up days where we came up, our first jobs and things like that. It didn't matter what they said we were going to get paid. We took it and ran with it, you know, and you, you've got these even going back to the word influencers out there now that I call them the, the negative ones that are out there telling people don't accept what they tell you, you know, just walk. Um, and I think that's another reason on that question you guys just had. You're also looking at how many of the big chain pharmacies are closing some of their doors. Yeah. Yep. You know, that that's another one. Maybe. I mean, you look at why are they, if, if the, you know, there's never going to be a, a less amount of sick people, so why are these big chain pharmacies having to close their doors? You kind of start questioning that. Is it is it people are finding different ways to get better or is the pharmacy industry finding ways to do things less in less amount of stores? Yeah. Yep. I and mean, yeah, they're like picking. Oh, sorry, Cam. That's going to be something that patients were going to kind of notice pretty quick. Like you're talking about automation as well, Pat, is that like as these systems are changing, they're closing stores. So you're pushing that workload into neighboring stores, whether it be the same chain or not. And then as they're doing automation, there's going to be problems that arise. And because there's not people 
either adequately staffed or even present fixing these problems are not going to be a quick solution. It's going to take days. So like mail order is a big thing right now for pharmacy. And people don't realize if they when they fuck up your meds, you don't get like a fix the next day. You're another like seven to 10 business days for them to mail that shit out right. to you. So now you're like going a week and a half without it or just trying to figure out how to get this thing corrected. So it's not, it's not smooth for the patient in any way. And they're going to find out pretty quickly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of my clients is on a mail order and I'm on the phone with them at least two, three times a month, like fixing things. And I'm calling them. I'm like, Hey, we got to adjust blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they haven't really messed up on the delivery necessarily, or like they'll deliver a set of drugs. And then like two days later, the next set comes and it's like, why didn't you just throw this all in the box? Like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just like, whatever. We'll see what happens with pharmacy. I mean, there's a need for pharmacists. There's a need to have medication experts. And I, I'm i interested to see where it goes. Uh, I've always just kind of been an entrepreneur. I just, I like to work for myself. I don't really like having a boss, you know? I've had some great bosses that have taught me a lot, but I just like structuring my life how I want to. And typical nine to five doesn't do that for me. Yeah, I think I think that where the, a lot of the regulation is still going to come down to is, is it, you can have this stack of medicines, but when that medicine stack, all of a sudden when the people go, but I need that stack of meds, which is your, you know, your narcs, your, your, your narcotics, that it's like, oh, you don't want to regulate blood pressure medication, but you want to come in here and you want to make sure there ain't nobody getting, you know, a narc that shouldn't get a narc. You know, or that pain manager doctor is not allowed to write more than three narcs on one patient, you know, things like that. So it's going to be uh, interesting. So Cam, I'd like to let you know, Cam, that Jen C also said that Cam is a national treasure and he must be protected at all costs. <laughs> Luckily, a lot of people, a lot of people do say that. So it's good to hear that my ramblings and like just general, just like just discouraging words towards people are taken to heart for a lot. So that's good. That's good. There, there are a lot of people who love, you know, who love people with problems, Cam, and they, that's you know, true. you're loved. You're completely loved. Man. That's true. <laughs> um, so, um, Jeff from Instagram is a listener from Canada, and he said, "Do you guys have an audience in any other country outside of North America?" So, oh, yeah. yeah, I would say so. We, so what was it? Was it like a year ago? About now. Yeah. About a year. It was probably a year ago. A little bit more. We got an email from New Zealand and it said that we were like in the top 80 of health and wellness podcast in New Zealand. Wow. Which I was what? like, all right, that's dope. Like, that's yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> it don't matter where it said. You could have said Madagascar. It don't matter. Right. I was just blown away. I mean, like that was the last place I ever thought that it would reach not nothing against New Zealand. I was just like, okay, I haven't heard from like from them too much since, but if we got, I mean, if we got there and, and we got that email and it was legit, I mean, I looked, you know, they gave me, a, I looked it up and I was like, holy crap. Okay. So that was I heard, cool. I heard Switzerland wasn't a good place, but their flag's a big plus. <laughs> but I'm <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Um, uh, Jen Jess asked the question, I work for a company and most of the workers are men. I can sometimes tell they are struggling. What's a good way to address their mental health and to let them feel comfortable reaching out to me or the boss about getting them or finding them resources? 
So fun fact uh, for anybody listening, long-term listeners, Jen Jess was actually our first moderator for our very first Ask Us Anything. So long time ago, she's a, a good friend of mine and a fan of the podcast. She's like, I think she's like screens, screams MHU from the rooftop, just as far as like trying to get guys to listen to the show and uh, really advocating for us and in, in our mental health work. So a little background on her, but um, I would have to say to be able to approach a guy who you can tell is struggling. I think the first thing, I think the the major thing is to not continue to hound them. I think you can address, address it and say, Hey, how are you doing today? And you can kind of tell somebody like how they're doing. They're like, oh, good. You know, you're not really doing that good. Right. So I think addressing them at first and just asking and seeing if they're willing to, if you can probe just a little bit and see if they're, what they're willing to discuss. Um, and then at the same time, I think at your work, you know, this goes for anybody, not just, you know, her place of work, but any, I think any place of business or work that has employees should have maybe some little cards with information where, where you can get resources. Like the suicide hotline is nine, eight, eight. Um, you know, so different type of resources like SAMHSA, something like that, where you can kind of push somebody to it and say like, Hey, you know, you can find some resources here, uh, or even have potentially like a couple of therapists that you contract with that you're, employees might be able to go and get a discount with, or if it's covered with your health insurance, I think that might be good ways to do it. Um, and I say that have the card kind of on the side too, is, uh, this past weekend, I just did, we just did like a wrestling show, uh, over with those idiots, Logan and Wheezy, uh, winning the stupid tag team titles. But I watched, I, I took a little break to watch a match and I watched quite a few guys go and, and when nobody was occupying the table, they actually went and took the business cards and took the um, the stickers and stuff and started looking at it where I've noticed with just that audience, if I'm there manning the table, they don't really, I mean, they don't really want to engage me. Maybe I'm ugly, whatever, but they would rather just kind of do it on their own and do it in private. And I'm totally cool with that too. So if you were at POW this past weekend, thank you. Yeah. I think kind of like what Pat Longline with Pat was saying is you kind of have to have the resources available. You can't like push them onto people. Um, they won't accept it. So something like just having, if you have an HR or something like that, send out an email just saying there are resources available. Here's a list of them. The chances are that the, the people may not immediately respond to it, but they're going to save that email in the inbox. So they're going to keep that listed somewhere. And then in the future, because I do it myself, I keep it in the inbox. In the future, I'm like, oh, I have an email down here. I can look at this later and then pull this information I need from it. So just kind of letting it be available is going to be a huge um, advantage. Great answer. Great answer. Thank what you. about you, much. Gary? Anything? Any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, if, if you've got somebody at work, man, I mean, especially in the military, you know, we had so many that, especially in combat, we did, you, you never knew. Um, and maybe in the medic, you know, I, I get, I get knocks on my door at one o'clock in the morning and Hey doc, my, my girlfriend's cheating on me. And uh, so we had a little more, I guess you say, and Cam knows who the camaraderie in the military sometimes is so much more tight knit that we didn't have to worry about putting out resources out there. It was, you know, for a fact, even if you didn't like the, the dude next to you, or in the bunk next to you, you, you had no problem telling him what your problems were. So 
in today's society, I, I think I have to agree with Cam posting that email out there that says, hey, just want to let everybody know if anybody's having a problem, here's the resources. What I think that also does is I think it triggers the rumor mill. And all of a sudden people start going, well, who's having problems? And then they start going, you know what? I saw Bob the other day eating by himself and he never eats by himself. And so they start trying to find that person that might be needing help. And they go, they go searching because I think a lot of people, even though they don't want to get involved so much, they want to be a savior. They want to be that help. And they want to sit back and go, man, I'm so glad I talked to that dude, you know, or anything like that. So I, I think that works good. Oh yeah. Good, good. I like that. All right. So uh, speaking of, you said something about insurance there. Um, hack via email, H-A-K. Recently on the show, you guys discussed a lot more about cash pay medicine. What are some advantages or disadvantages you see in that model versus typical insurance? That's a really good question. So I'll say as far as the insurance model goes, it's really beneficial to have if you have something catastrophic happen to you, if you just so happen to kind of get diagnosed with a new disease, uh, it gives you, it affords you the ability to go, you know, seek treatment um, for somewhat probably of a stable cost, depending on, you know, what your plan covers. But I think cash pay offers an advantage where that you can go get the services that you think you need or you want. And you can kind of skip the line as far as the algorithm for the insurance. So like we were talking about TMS a little bit ago, and we talked about it on the podcast with you before. In the insurance model, you'll have to fail treatments before you can get to the TMS. Cash pay, come see Gary at Medical Man Cave here pretty soon, and you'll be able to just get it. I must throw a plug there for a moment. You can come see me, but it will be the lovely Joanne, my beautiful wife, that will be doing it. I just want to throw that innocent plug out there. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of people they think insurance would cover everything, like out front, no cost kind of thing. So when there is a copay or something, they are kind of upset about it. So at the end of the day, you're still going to be paying for it one way or the other way, whether it be your typical premiums and your copays. Um, the one benefit for the cash on that side is that the cash side is going to be upfront with it. They're like, oh, this is your cost. This is like the, the plan breakdown. We can do this many, you know, this is your payments over this amount of time. Whereas the insurance, you won't know until it's billed. Um, they can give you, they'll give you an estimate. And I'm sure there's millions of patients who can attest that they'll give you an estimate. And then what you actually get in the mail or automatically deducted from your account exceeds, or maybe if you're lucky, it was under that, but most of the time it's going to exceed that and they're not going to understand. Then you'll call the insurance and then they're going to, you know, you're going to spend an hour on the phone with them and then you're going to get nowhere. So there is some benefits to, you know, to the cash side, obviously with the insurance side, if you're in a, you know, a car accident and your leg bones now shoved through your guts, cash pay is not going to be the best option for rearranging your guts back to normal. That's going to be a very expensive procedure. So I think like it's kind of a, a balance on on what you're looking to get out of it and then what could potentially be. Um, but like Pat said, too, it helps you kind of step out from the algorithms of the guidelines and things like that. So if you want to try a new therapy or if maybe like the VA, as I mentioned all the time, has a different guideline set than regular guidelines. If you want to try, you know, someone else's guidelines set like the VAs, they use maybe someone else's number one. 
cash pay would allow you to do that without having to fight the insurance directly or go through just the monotony of trying their number one, failing, trying their number two and failing. So uh, there are, I don't, there are ever, I don't think there'll ever be a, a, a one and none. You know, it, no. I don't think there's ever going to be a all cash um, or there's never going to be a just insurance. Um, no, it, it, just, it just can't happen. That way. Right. So that, that's a, that's a fantastic question. That's from hack. Yeah. Um, nice. Good dude. Favorite guest gentlemen. It's kind of hard to, it's hard to not say Gary T. You know what I mean? Well, I get a loaded question. We got Gary T on, on the channel here. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, did I write that question? I'm sorry. I must have wrote that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that actually, that, that came in from Instagram. Uh, I, I posted a couple of times like, hey, questions, comments, whatever for episode 100. And I just got favorite guest question mark. And I was like, all right, <laughs> like no context. I like it. <laughs> It works. No comment. No comment. All right, we'll go with no comment. Uh, uh, Gary, you're exempt from that question because you're the moderator right now. That's great. Completely. We love us some Dr. Tara, previous guest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We love her just because, like, we've had so many. Uh, if you, Gary, if you haven't had a chance to check her out, her, I think her handle on a lot of stuff is lovebites, but L U V B I T E S dot co. And, like, okay. she's a really attractive lady. She, is like just very open about like discussing, you know, taboo subjects and sexual things. And T-A-R-A, Dr. Tara. But we like, do we met her like right at the beginning of her like career kind of with the podcast. Like we met her before she started a podcast and she was just like a professor at Cal State Fullerton. And then all of a sudden, like, she just started blowing up like an attractive lady on the internet going lick her nipples, eat that pussy. You're just like, <laughs> what? And, but you know, she like breaks down a lot of stigmas for men and women for like sex. And the one thing I've heard from women and like, this is probably why I have to give it to her is that we've had a ton of women like start following her, like women that follow us or like dudes tell their girl, whatever. And like, she's gotten a lot of followers from us. I know we've gotten quite a few followers from her, but. I would say most women say that she makes them feel like it's great to be sexy, beautiful, and smart, and you can do all of it. And I think that's like right. the biggest thing with her. So I do have to give her a shout out because I love her. So I wrote that down, Dr. Tara. And she's like our, uh, she's our regular Valentine's Day expert. So we have a Valentine's oh, cool. Day episode scheduled with her already. What areas of men's health do you feel, do you feel like need the most work in general? That's a great question. That comes from Jennifer, a nurse on Spotify. Ooh. So it's kind of died down a little bit, but we got on a, man, we were like ripping hot with uh, bad relationships. Oh yeah. That was very popular. We like, there was like a three month string where it was just coming through like email and Instagram, mostly just how do I navigate a bad relationship? My toxic girlfriend or whatever is using my feelings against me. I mean, it was a lot of things like that, which it's kind of died down. I'm sure that's not like, you know, we didn't fix that problem, but we started getting more experts on the show that were talking about, you know, men's emotions and men's relationships and how to manage our emotions in tough times. So um, I'd say like maybe right now, just, from this show, like emotional balance. What about yeah, you, Cam? that's definitely a big one. Um, 
I think, I think we just, we also still need to continue on with our mental health side of it. It is that, you know, as we have talked about and mentioned in a lot of episodes, it is tied to everything else health for us. And it's still, while it is, you know, it's starting to become really big. It's starting to really bloom into a, a good size focus. It's still not where it needs to be. And we can honestly say it's probably for everybody. It's not really just a men's health on that side. Like everybody's mental health is kind of really on the downside. Anytime you need, you know, need a time off work to kind of focus on yourself or just have a quiet breath day, like you still get shitted on from your employers, even though they'll send you emails and they'll send you like reminders touting how like beneficial they are for their employees, mental health and stuff like that. They'll still be like, oh, are you serious? You got to have this time off. So it's still a, for everybody. It's still like a really weirdly taboo fucking situation that we're in for that. I think that um, a lot of times on mental health too, it's because mental health is so individualized that mm-hmm. if I've got a problem, a lot of men think, oh, I ain't got that problem. You're, you're a pansy. Why are you, why are you worried about that? Why are you thinking like that? And then some women, they really do. They think the man is looked at as stereotypical man. Men don't have that problem. Men don't. And as you said, emotional balance, men don't have an emotional balance because they don't have emotions. That's sometimes the the thing that's out there. And so it's, it's the furthest thing from the truth. You do have those masculine men that, they are old school and they were taught that way. And it is, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a cracked hand, never be a soft hand man. I, I worked all my life and um, I don't put up with nothing. My, my wife puts my food on my plate, puts it in front of me and, and Hey, you're going to cry. Then you're going to go somewhere else away from me to do it. There are those out there, but uh, I, I mean, I think the emotional balance and the mental health thing is, is key. Um, I mean, you're looking at military. We still got 22 a day that, you know, that take their life. So, yep. uh, and there's, I, I don't, I don't think the question of, I was taught in biology to always ask why, you know, so you learn, you're always learning something. Why, why is that? When it comes to mental health, it, it, it's the same thing. You've got to continue to ask why to see if anything will get better. Um, you know, and that, that's like that TMS thing that we're bringing on here at the medical man cave. It can it can help treat anti depression or depression, anti anxiety and or anxiety and and bipolarism, um, ADHD, depression, um, sleeplessness. It, these things can treat it can treat so many things that you know it. I think it's good. those everybody needs to take a step forward to help mental health. Yep. Yeah, I agree with oh, that. That's a great question. Great question by Jennifer Nursing off Spotify. Um, all right, this is a question for both of you guys off Spotify. If you guys could do one job. Other than pharmacist, what would it be and why? Oh, man. You know, I thought about this. I would have to say porn star. Mm. <laughs> Is this after you come to my office and me help you out? or? Yeah, I'm going to have to come to your office and get <laughs> some yeah, help first. After that, after the help there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, if I had to do one job. You know what? Like if I if I could do it or whatever, I think it would be badass to pilot like some of those planes they have in the Air Force, like awesome. or like Navy. Like those things just look like they can cook. And I know it takes a long time and a lot of effort to get there, but it just seems like a fucking rush. That's why I think 100%. Top Gun is just a false hope for a lot of people. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, it come out and people are sitting in the living room and they turn to look at their parents and the parents automatically no. <laughs> yeah no you will not do that well for those, 
for those people, a little side note, there's still pilots who can rip a fucking C-130 or a C-18 like nobody's business. So for those who don't know, those are our big like cargo sh- uh, planes yeah. we use out there. So I've had some entries and exits from uh from country that were like so intense people were passing the fuck out. So those bag those big bad boys can rip all the same. Um, so you don't have to tell them it's Top Gun. You go, like, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna go fly planes. <laughs> and they just right. fly a fucking massive jet. Um, <laughs> for myself, it'd probably be something around like something building something with my hands, whether it be like building, like woodwork building or even like automotive kind of stuff. I do find a lot, a lot of enjoyment into it. Now I'd fucking hate it to get paid to do it, to be honest, because then it takes away the enjoyment and the fun. But it is something I'd probably probably want to do outside of this. All right, so Pat would be a pilot, and Cam would be a a, a woodworker. All right, or, I'd be a carpenter or a mechanic, maybe a race car driver. I guess. Like All right, so um, let's see here. So John L emailed and said, "What's an absolute no?" Or major red flag for you guys when looking for a relationship and or partner. It's a good for question. me, it's absolutely for me, no it's definitely major red flag. Yeah, for me, it's not willing to compromise. Like relationships are about compromise for a lot of it, a lot of things. So, like if you're a stubborn, hard headed asshat, like get the fuck out of here. Like, there's no one has time for that shit. There's two adults trying to make you know blend their lives together. It's going to take a little bit of give and take. And if you're not willing to give. All you want to do is take. You can fucking get the fuck out. That's fair. Uh, I got to go with Cam there. I mean, relationships are already hard enough as it is. And like, they're great. It's awesome. And it's nice to be able to like, you know, like Cam said, you blend your lives. You are able to share certain things that you can't when you're single. So I think that's awesome. Um, But yeah, you got to like be able to work. You got to be able to work together, especially like, you know, people like us, like we're busy, we have projects, we like things that we like to do. So, you know, giving, you know, giving a guy some space, I think is nice too. Absolutely. I, I mean, me and my wife, we, you know, we both, when we got together, we believe in a, a, a marriage is not 50, 50, it's 100, 100, you know, so both parties need to put in a hundred percent, not you do your half of it. No, that, that don't work that way. You know, um, my wife takes out the trash just as much as I do. I had to throw my hand up because I knew that there was about to be a what? <laughs> she takes it out sometimes more than I do. Um, but you know, it's we do I do the laundry, I fold, I put clothes away. It, it, it's a it's a team effort. And as the old saying goes, um, teamwork makes the dream work. Um, so yep. you know, I, I completely believe that. I saw a, I listened to a podcast the other day, um, and the the guy was arguing with the women on the podcast that were there because she said that in a relationship, toxic masculinity causes most of the problems. And he said, all right, so what's the definition of toxic masculinity? And she couldn't give it. He said, you know why I can't give that? Because there's not one. There's no such word. It's either they're toxic or they're masculine. There's no such thing as toxic masculinity, period. They don't go together. They're either one or the other. That's it. And I think the same thing with toxic femininity. It, 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 if you say that, it, it don't sound right. Either the women are toxic or they're too feminine. But in a relationship, if that's what both of them are, then that's how they got to make it work. It, you you got to you got to make it work, man. So yeah, major red flag. Yeah, compromise is a good one. I'm glad you guys said that. Most people would automatically said trust. So you guys said. You know, compromise, that, that's good. That's something different. Um, out of all the episodes you guys have done, what's one treatment, procedure, idea, et cetera, 
you would shout from the mountaintops that need to get done. Oh, that's a good one. Dick enhancements? I'm just Where? <laughs> creating earthquakes. <laughs> creating earthquakes with Gary T. Yeah, I've never even heard of this thing. <laughs> well, thank you very much, uh, gentlemen. Josh G. Gary's just like, I'm moving on. <laughs> That's a plug right there. That man. is a plug. I love it. Thank you it very is. much. I, man, that. we've we've seen quite a bit. I mean, in a in a hundred episodes, and like they all haven't been procedure or whatever based, but I think peptides is is becoming huge. Um, we've got a, a pod with peptides coming up pretty soon. What else? I, I I'm honestly like I've been fascinated when I started when I met you guys and learned about the male penis enhancement. I was like, this could change a lot of a lot of dudes' lives. And it's still not, like you said, the very first we were talking about it, it's not even been, it's not marketed. People find us just, and I look at when they, when they went online and, and submitted their form for me to call them for a consult. And it says two Oh three in the morning, you know, they're, they're just online, just looking at stuff. And um, I mean, right now that's our main point of marketing is just, you know, click and point and click. And it, you know, and it, we are now about to we're about to advance that, which is going to be fantastic. But yeah, that's, that's awesome. how most of our people call in. They just they they saw it online. I can see okay. you like ring ring or like you get the thing and you're like Gary's Girthquakes. How can I help you? You know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but any anything that you've uh, that you've seen, Cam, like on the podcast, any anything you're yeah. like gung ho about or you thought was really cool. I like all the um. I'm still. I, I've said it before. I'm really big into the whole like self awareness kind of thing. So all these all the things we talk about with meditation and um, whether it be just yoga or you know quiet meditation to yourself kind of thing is huge because being self aware is such a big step and it's a hard step for a lot of people. So I think being able to kind of get on top of that, even if it's a little bit, really will put yourself in a really good situation to kind of help your own health and then those with your relationships around you. Um, big improvement with that kind of stuff. And we've touched base with, you know, most of our guests, there's always like a little bit of non-procedure, non-farm kind of topics we get into. And that's usually always, always on yeah. one of the spearheads. Accountability is big. Yeah. And you know, that we like here at the clinic too, when, when we, when I do a tour and you know, Pat, when I gave you the tour and I show everything, a lot of people, when I like even our ice cake, you know, fat freezing, muscle sculpting, when I define that and I say, you know, she can, my, if my wife can pinch it on you, she can freeze it and it's gone. And they go, what? And it, I was very skeptical about it when I first saw it. And then when she did it on me, it was amazing to watch how somebody came up with this idea that can put this vacuum on your love handles and it sucks up the fat, drops the temperature down. And 30 minutes later, you're massaging it for the next three weeks and it's gone. And it, it's, it's just amazing how, you know, different projects and people come up with stuff like um, I, one of my favorite shows on television is Shark Tank. I love watching it. Just how I go, who the hell thought of that? That's always been my thing is like, who who thought of that crazy shit? <laughs> I mean, like the, the male enhancement. When I first heard about that, I went, what? You take two products and you can make my dick bigger. Yep. And I'm like, and one of them's the same stuff to make gummy bears with. So I can yeah. nickname my dick Gummy. <laughs> or Not I the best name, but okay. I can tell my wife, guess what you're getting for Christmas? Gummy. 
<laughs> gummy worm. Gummy mm. worm. Oh, Patrick, let me write that down. Gummy worm. <laughs> All right. Gummy worm. <laughs> That's very good. Way to go, Patrick. <laughs> man, like I'm gonna come into medical man cave and Gary's just gonna be like playing men's health unscripted's greatest hits. Like, yeah, for all his face on the TV, you just hear gummy worm, and then like little little pod moments come out, and they just they just come out on the TV. Yeah, gummy worm, and then Gary comes out. Here's your girth certificate, and like but so just, you walk in, be- <laughs> you walk into the office, and instead of a doorbell, it's like earthquake. <laughs> hey, that I told y'all what you call a man that cries when he masturbates. I told y'all that one. Uh uh-uh. uh pure jerk. <laughs> <laughs> or what do you call a man who what do you call a man who smokes weed when he masturbates? <laughs> weed whacker. Oh shit. <laughs> or hijack or master blazer. <laughs> um <laughs> somebody This is why Gary me, is our moderator, guys. <laughs> my son called me the other day and said, Dad, I got a perfect joke in your job. And I went, Okay. He said, What did the woman say to her husband when she found out he had a penis in budget? I am not taking this any longer. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's see here. Um, I did have a question for you. Uh, This is actually for me. I wrote one down. If you guys don't mind answering that for me. Fire away. So um, do you feel that the health industry should change on its own or should they adapt to actual society wanting things to change and do it for that reason? What do you mean as far as? In other words, you know how society has saying we need to do this, 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 this. Okay. Should the health industry listen to those things and change for that reason? Or should the health industry realize that, you know, things need to change without listening to outside influence? Now, that's one of those questions that unfortunately the answer is going to be shitty as it can be, uh, because with everything, obviously, we think it should change with how the population is speaking. Um, you know, like the government, take for example, but we know for sure that they will not change on their own. Um, they will do their own, quote, independent, like, you know, retrospective pre- uh, reviews and things like that. And they'll make their decisions based on that. But honestly, it's going to come down to financials and stuff. Uh, they will definitely not change on their own in the way that we want to see them change. But they, we obviously they should be changing in response to the people that are paying for those policies, paying for the procedures, and those who are receiving health care underneath their systems. Good answer. I think the healthcare system doesn't, I mean, this is my experience. I'm a, an advocate in the healthcare system. And I don't think somebody could correct me if I'm wrong. I've been to quite a few doctor's offices. I've been to hospital visits. Um, I've had patients in the hospital that I'm going to go work with. And it doesn't, they go in and like you have somebody in there and like, yeah, they give you your waivers and tell you what's going to happen, but it's like the treatment process happens so fast. And sometimes you, I get it. There's emergencies, but I feel like at times the patient doesn't necessarily have a say or they feel lost. Like, you know, imagine I'll give you a good example is like, I went to take a client to a potentially what was a really rough diagnosis. The doctor came in, we did some tests and the doctor's like, well, I think you have X, Y, Z. And the client was like, right. And that happened. And then it was just like, well, 
I can write you a script and here's some referrals. So, and I'll see you in six months. And it just kind of, it had this slow buildup. Let's do all these tests. Let's do this. In my opinion, here's what you have. Like you still need to go do some testing, but here's what it is. And then it's like, here's everything that you need. See ya. And in that moment, like if I wasn't there, I'm not tooting my own horn, but if that, if someone else wasn't there, I wasn't there, whoever to kind of put the brakes on that doc would have given them the information, given them the script and been out the door. And then you've got this person with their own diagnosis in their hands and they're sitting there by themselves. And I think that something needs to change as far as that goes, but maybe not because then I would be out of business. Right. But I think it's just kind of one of those things where we have to be able to like understand that when you give someone this like life-changing diagnosis or whatever, that they might need to sit there with it. And I might've gone off on like a little bit of a tangent, but it's just, it's so important to, to be able to have people there for the patient because they're the one who's going through it. Like that doc, he's walking out the door and going to dinner with his family later. Like, and he's done that diagnosis a thousand times. Like that shit's out of his head. And I've been to doctor's offices like where we saw, like we saw him six months and then we were back in six months. They didn't even remember us. And it's like, bro, you di you diagnosed homie with something. Like, what are you talking about? I think that comes down to, too, is the, the type of doctors are in the business now, especially in clinic wise, to see as many patients as they can. That's why you have your appointments broke down into a 15 minute follow up slot, a 30 minute new physical, you know, things like that. You so when they walk in that door and their nurse or medical assistant, whatever, said, and they go, what's in room three? And they go, oh, it's Mr. Williams. He's here for his follow-up on his uh, blood pressure med. The doc won't even take the chart in there. They walk in the door. Hey, how you doing? How's your blood pressure doing? Good. It looks good on the paper. I'll see you in two months. Right. And that's it. Let's get the room going. And you're right. Um, I, I, I think that comes down to is um, something else with that is. I, I really love the whole aspect of, I think, part of the military transition, too, of leaving the military. And, Cam, you tell me if you agree or not. I don't care if they've ever deployed or not. Something about it could come back later. So I think part of when they get out of the military, if they if they are retiring or they're getting some sort of compensation after the military, part of it before they ever get that first one is they have to go to a center and talk to somebody about the transition coming out and walking into civilian life. And I think it needs to be signed off on. Hey, I went through the three-day class. I don't care if, it, if they didn't meet, get nothing out of it. I just, I mean, I know me. I, I, I've been out now since 2018, and I did 27 and a half years. And there is times where I just, I just said it the other day. We're in the car, and I, I told my wife, I said, I miss it. Just out of the clear blue, I just said, I miss it. And it just... You know, I've, I've had some die in my hands. I've had, I've saved some, but I just, sometimes you just, you don't want to go do your normal job that you do every day now because you want to go back and do that. And I think even people that haven't been in the military need something, like you said, Patrick, just to somebody just to listen for a minute, an advocate or a, um, I, mean, I, I know they had a name for it in most of the hospitals or um, a liaison, if you will, mm -hmm. you know, um, Hey, you just got told bad news. I need you to go see in room three on the third floor. That's where I need you to go. And you're just going to go and talk to somebody. You know, it, it just make sure you understand because they may not, 
they may not grieve or may not even say anything for months. Who knows? Yeah. I they mean, do I, have something. Yeah. Uh, let me squeeze on that real quick. No, they bad. do have something kind of like that. I I guess it might have been a fever dream for myself because when I separated out in 2013, uh, we went through, we had a, a course called TAPS. And I think it was about three or four days. It was a couple of days where you went and you got to talk to a lot of various aspects of getting out. So you talk to the VA, you talk to like um, potential recruiters for, for jobs and stuff like that. You worked on your resume and worked on some stuff like that. Um, and then part of that was also going to meet like the VA liaisons. So in Lejeune, they had an office that you got to go to. And that's where you start your paperwork for your claims. So, and I've, I haven't heard about it from a lot of my friends. A lot of people got out too. So I don't know if it was something they were just piloting or what, what happened with it. But like I was able to work on my claims before I even separated from the military. So like I had the established, you know, healthcare and everything before I even got out. Um, but again, I don't know what had happened with it because I've heard a lot of people haven't even heard of this program. Well, I love, thank you guys for allowing me to ask those, those questions there. Um, last question I'm going to throw out there to you guys from your guest is going to be, uh, how do you think the next 100 episodes will go? And do you guys have any new material that you actually want to explore? That yeah. sounds like somebody's getting tired of hearing us talk about the same stuff. <laughs> <laughs> They're tired of the dick jokes. They're the hint, hint. Yeah, that's it. That's a hint, hint question. <laughs> well, I I think that the the area of men's health is evolving, like very quickly, mm-hmm. and I think that it's hard to even. We couldn't if we did our best job to compile everything into a hundred episodes. I don't think that we could do it. I mean, there's no. there's more than a hundred. There's I mean, for our time frame, for one hour, so there's way more than a hundred hours worth of information on everything that's coming out with men's health. So uh, I know coming up, we're going to have, I'm actually really excited about this. And we're, so we've, we've got Dr. Tracy Gappin coming up. He's world renowned peptide guy, but he's kind of studied the down regulation of testosterone in men for the last 40 years or something like that, how testosterone levels have gotten, you know, progressively lower and lower interest to see like what his perspective on that is as well. I think the, he was on the podcast previously while we were in school a long time ago and the, the topic was a lot different. So now I think it's going to be, it always comes back to healthy lifestyle and all that stuff. Right. But there's reasons behind this, maybe just to come up with things to avoid or things to incorporate in your life. And then I'm super geeked about this, but we actually are going to be recording with Eddie Kingston on Tuesday. Um, he's the current ring of honor world champion. And he won like, he's got a well-known mental health struggle came up. Um, I say like, I identify with his story a lot. I mean, alcoholic dad, um, things like that. I, I had family members kind of pick up the slack for me as I grew and kind of filled some of those voids of father figure and things like that. And he's also the, he's the world champ, man. He's on TV every week. I think it's awesome. I think it's just like super, it's just incredible. Like that, how far we've come just from the first couple of guests to now it's like, we're getting world champion professional wrestlers, like world renowned docs, Gary T you know, R- like even RJ, dude, like the guy started fucking Aspen Dental. Like, come on. Yeah. For the next hundred episodes, I think you're going to see a huge growth as far as quality of guest 
are only going to get better, but it just takes time. I mean, we're, we're in this for the long haul. And then as far as like new content goes, I think everything's a little bit different and they're still going to be dick jokes. So it goes back to the first question. If you ain't like the girthquake, see ya. Did I, did I tell y'all that I went, did I tell y'all I went to school with a girl named nonstick cooking spray? <laughs> anyway, yeah, we, just, we just called her Pam, <laughs> but it, but it didn't stick. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. dude. <laughs> yeah. Cam, is there any topics that you want to cover? No, I think you said it really good. It's just going to kind of evolve depending on what, what kind of comes up, what, uh, guests that we find to be interesting and beneficial for our listeners um for ourselves honestly so really it's just going to be an ever-changing platform that we'll keep going with i mean we've evolved with our listeners when you think about what the pharmacy like maybe probably the pharmacy perspective of men's health might be it's a lot of metabolic disease right hey we're we want to prevent diabetes high blood pressure stroke cardiovascular disease you know how do you do that and then we started to realize like, oh shit, like there's this whole mental health area that we've never touched. And then we start touching it and it touches back, but, um, but <laughs> just, we start touching it and it's like emotional health. How, how do I deal with a bad relationship? How do I set boundaries for myself and with other people? And you start to realize like, there's so many stones to unturn, like, you know, we've had, we've had cancer survivors come on the show and I mean, I'll, I'll shout him out like Dan Behan. He was on the show uh, and he talked about his cancer diagnosis. He's a good friend of Joe Ferrelli. That's how I met him. We were sitting there shooting the shit on text message one time. And I was like, bro, you got a crazy story. Just like, I'm going to interview you. Like, when do you want to be on the podcast? He's on the, um, oh, he's, he's, uh, he's on a big podcast up in New York. It used, uh, I don't want to say the wrong name. Uh, I'll, get it in here right but it's uh it covers new york giants football and it's like they're huge now they've been growing but he had cancer and he text messaged me a couple months ago and he was like hey somebody found me from our podcast has the same kind of cancer i did and we talked and i got him resources and then like one month ago or a month and a half ago he texted me he said hey somebody else found me from the podcast same kind of cancer i got i had we talked. And so, and Joe Ferrelli, like a few weeks ago, I think I messaged Cam. I was like, yeah, yeah. Somebody reached out to Joe and they're like, I have stage, I have the stage three sarcoma, just like you did, Joe, what do I do? They found him through the podcast and then like went and sought him out on Instagram and slid into his DMS to talk about it. So we're helping people, you know, people are listening, people are finding the resources. They're taking the resources and like, you know, all the, all the stuff on the internet and all the resources and therapists are great, but finding some, like how many times can you really find somebody that had the same disease that you did? That's rare. As the old saying goes, it only takes one. Right. Yep. And I mean, this has been going on for a hundred episodes. And so I think the next hundred episodes, hopefully we help that many more people. That's really, you know, what, what matters. All jokes aside, dick jokes, whatever, you know, you can come here, you won't be judged and you can get the help that you need. That's correct. Well, gentlemen, I've had a blast. This is a lot of fun. I love questions yeah. from audience. That's badass. Yeah, it's cool. Um, Gary, I appreciate you, man. You've been super appreciate awesome. Guys, Thanks brother. for staying a little bit late at work to to do this. Absolutely. 
podcast, man, you're just a lot of fun to talk to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta, we gotta do a, a, we need to do one called a promo special. We're just sitting and go, all right, for those who write in right now, Gary's going to give a 20% on getting your dick bigger. <laughs> all right. <laughs> we can figure that out. <laughs> we get it. <laughs> maybe, right, uh, guys. maybe when you guys get the, uh, Tampa social media stuff up and running, we'll go, oh, don't and worry. We'll, we'll do one. Oh, don't worry. I know We're a girl, you know? And I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna try to talk to uh I'm gonna try to talk and see if I can maybe talk to Dr. Kevin Murphy and see about getting him on y'all's podcast. That'd be oh. cool. Yeah, I would like to. Right. I would definitely like to learn more about TMS. That'd oh, be absolutely. Cool. Well, Gary T, ladies and gentlemen, awesome moderator, great guest, can't beat it. Doc Earthquake himself. <laughs> Appreciate you, Devil Dog. Thank you, guys, man. Appreciate it. You too, Doc. Take it easy, brother. Have a good one, guys.